the future looks bright for miners of gold and silver and another uh, a number of other commodities but that sector is really downtrodden right now it's actually uh discounted quite significantly significantly to the value of the metals and at record lows by that measure Thanks for joining us for part two of our interview with precious metals analyst Brian London. If you haven't yet watched part one of our discussion with Brian, in which he explains why a Fed taper may well indeed serve as the catalyst for the next big upleg in gold and silver prices, head over to our channel at youtube.com Wealthion and watch it there first. It sets the context for the investment perspective that Brian shares in this video. Oh, but if you haven't yet, don't forget to support this channel by first liking this video and then clicking on the red subscribe button below, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. Believe it or not, these two tiny steps really do help us out. Okay, let's get started watching part two of our interview with Brian London. Great. And, and you're, you're, I mean, I know firsthand from having gone to your conference and sat down at tables with you and, and many of these other heads of the mining companies, but you are heavily networked into the, the CEOs and operators of a lot of these mines, correct? Yeah, I if I don't know somebody in the industry, I know somebody who knows them. So I am literally one degree of separation from anybody who is working or or has worked in recent decades in the industry. So I, I can pretty uh, pretty much get the lowdown on any new deals coming out that are particularly exciting or interesting. Um, and find out about them very quickly and early on and hope to translate that advantage uh, to my readers. Great. Okay. Well, you're a guy who knows the industry very well, as well as the players that are running it. Um, what's your assessment of the precious metals mining industry today, uh, say like versus a decade ago? Um, you know, I know that there, mm -hmm. I've heard that the industry has cleaned itself up a lot. Yeah. Um, also, you mentioned sort of the economics of, of how these mining companies run, as I understand it today, sort of the average all-in cost for mining precious metals is around $1,000 an ounce. And we're now talking where gold is about $1,800 an ounce. So you, you, were, you were saying that their, their costs don't um, match the increase in the gold price. Um, they, 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 they tend to stay more static and therefore a higher gold price results in, in a higher profitability for these companies. And that's why you get the leverage. So it seems like compared to a decade ago, they're making a lot more money as well. Is, that, yeah. is all that true? Yeah, they are. And in fact, in this kind of an environment, it, it has to be the most attractive growth industry out there. For one, it's the one where it's actually making something uh, where the price of its product is not only rising or, or strong, but uh, by all evidence will be Come much more valuable in the future. Uh, and it's perhaps the only sector that is still undervalued, that has not uh, had uh, uh, prices, price to earning ratios that have soared, you know, to, to uh, very high overvalued levels. So the, the future looks bright for miners of gold and silver and another, uh, a number of other commodities. But that sector is really downtrodden right now. It's actually uh, discounted quite significantly, significantly to the value of the metals and at record lows by that measure. 
uh, typically it's um, it's at four to five times the the levels it is currently uh, uh, related to the the metals and you know it, it, it's it's an area that I think is due for a uh, tremendous snapback as we get higher uh, gold and silver prices. All right, and I'm just curious, Brent. Why do you think the equities are so discounted versus the rest of the stock market right now? Uh, I think that the thunder has been stolen by so many other markets and sectors, and they don't look at mining as a growth sector. It is, you know, actually an, an extractive sector. It's not sexy in any by any means. And uh, if you look at at uh, the tech sector, for instance. Uh, that steals all the headlines on a daily basis on CNBC and all the financial media. Uh, people just don't invest in it right now. My view is that at some point, you can't ignore the kind, the, the kind of money that's being generated by this sector. The other thing is uh, investors aren't attracted. They don't really pay much mind to the levels of prices. You know, they don't care much about whether the price, where the price of gold or silver is at the, are at the, the current moment, but they do care about the direction of those prices. And so to get the, the majors moving, to get people in, interested in the gold miners, you need to have a sustained uptrend in the prices of gold and silver and copper and other metals. Uh, we haven't had that in gold and silver. And I think gold and silver really drive the entire sector. It's hard to get excited about a bull market in, in any other commodity unless there's an underlying bull market in gold and silver, because that's what really attracts the speculators and investors to the broader sector. All right. That makes sense. I just I will admit to, you know, some confusion. Frustration. Well, frustration for sure. But no, I mean, you know, it may not be quote unquote as sexy an industry as the next cryptocurrency or whatnot, but the, the mining sector has a history of moments in time where it has delivered ridiculous returns to investors, you know, sort of like crypto, crypto type returns. I and mean, we're talking hundreds to thousands of percent returns in short periods of time. Now, it's been a long time since that happened. But, you know, investors are still alive who remember those days. And so, you know, in, in a highly speculative era like we're in right now, where people are throwing tons of money into the, the latest unproven uh, crypto token or the meme stock or whatever, I'm just surprised that that hasn't spilled over into this industry. But maybe, you know, maybe I should just be thankful for that, that it means it, it gives us who are aware of the discrepancy the opportunity to get in while prices are still low. Yeah. And, you know, but time is money as well. So we would like it to, to get going pretty soon. But, you know, it, those kinds of gains are available. And if you look at our track record in gold newsletter and really any newsletter that's that's done its job and, and, and represented and, and found opportunities in the sector well over the years. And there's maybe a half dozen of them out there that I recommend. Um, if you look at their track records, you can see them peppered with Lots of companies that went up four or five, 10, 20, even as much as 40 or 50 times in value. But those companies are typically at the uh, bottom, toward the bottom of the food chain, more of the exploration companies that make a big discovery, something like that. Uh, so that's, it is important to differentiate that 
end of the spectrum from the big producers. The big producers in a bull market might go up four, five, six times in value. Um, and, and the average is about four times in value if you look at the, uh, the big indices. But if you get down- but we, Sorry to interrupt, but that's still pretty nice for a, oh, <laughs> for yeah. a return, especially for a company that's gonna be paying you dividends while it's doing it too. Paying dividends in, in at that end of the spectrum, yes. And also in an asset that you're very comfortable that is going to go much higher. Um, so the value will increase along those lines too. You're, in other words, you're playing a, a very strong macro trend. Now, so that's, that's a good return. You can leverage those. Obviously, you can do options and the like to leverage that for the majors. But the juniors, if you're willing to put in a bit of time, effort, money, skull sweat to research the sector, it is famously inefficient. So you can gain an advantage over other investors by simply outworking them uh, and spending more time researching it and subscribing to some of the better newsletters out there. And that's where you can get these kinds of gains where you can a stock can go up 10 or 20 times. Um, it does help to have a favorable backdrop of a bull market for those kinds of gains. But even beyond that, if there's big exploration discovery, uh, a, a stock can fight any overall, any broader trend in the markets that might be adverse to other companies. Great. Well, if I can just editorialize for a second here. Um, so what Brian's talking about basically is the, uh, you know, the, the age old risk reward spectrum yeah. here. And, and in the mining space, you've got majors and miners. And I mean, M-I-N-O-R, <laughs> minor miners. Um, and basically, these smaller companies have more risk, but they also have higher potential appreciation. And Brian's also mentioned a couple of different um sort of uh, descriptions of different types of miners. You've got producers, which are companies that are actually pulling gold and silver out of the earth. Um, you've got, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got explorers, which are companies that are out there digging in unproven areas, trying to find new veins of gold and silver. Um, and then in between them, you have developers where an explorer may have found a, a promising discovery and then the developing country uh, company is trying to convert that into an actual productive mine. So there are all these different ways you can play along the spectrum of certainty. And again, the, the more uncertain it is, um, the, the higher the potential return if it turns out to, to be a winner. And as Brian said, it's a highly inefficient industry right now in terms of the coverage of these companies. Um, and so, if you can kind of partner up with an expert who spends their time and attention scouring the landscape, talking to management, going out and visiting these mines, et cetera, they, you know, the good ones can separate the wheat from the chafe so that if you are following their picks, you have a higher potential success ratio of investing in those winners. And that's why subscribing to a newsletter like Brian's or some of the other ones that he mentioned he recommends uh, is really wise for people that are interested in this space. Uh, did I get most of that right, Brian? You got that absolutely correct. I would stress, the, and you did well to mention it because I didn't, but I would stress that it is riskier especially at that exploration slash development end of the spectrum. So you can mitigate that risk by doing the research um, and, you know, putting in the hours and the money to, to learn about the sector. 
and play on the inefficiencies in the sector. You can mitigate it, but you're not going to eliminate it. That it is risky. And you also have to learn uh, uh, management techniques, when to sell, when to buy, when to sell. It's hard to sell these things. It's a lot easier to buy because you fall in love with the story. So you don't want to let loose of it. You always think something big is around the, the turns, but you have to fight that constantly. Know when to kind of heartlessly sell a position. And that takes some time and experience. If you're not willing to go through all these steps to mitigate the risk, then you should simply just buy one of the indices like GDX or GDXJ and call it done, uh, which is still not a bad way to go, but it doesn't allow you to, you know, to take advantage of, some, of what the sector can offer uh, if you are willing to put in the work. All right, very well said. Well, now I want to get to the fun part, um, which is really pulling out some of your specific expertise here, Brian. Um, so as you look across the landscape, you know, we mentioned um, the producers, the developers, the explorers, et cetera. Um, where do you see the most promise right now in the industry? Well, right now I've been focusing and, and still focusing on the, uh, um, the expiration plays because I'm not quite bought into the near-term rally or strengthening in gold yet. Uh, it still may, uh, may prove to be a head fake. And, and I'm really looking at some of the technicals at gold needing a bit more time to mount a serious rally, maybe towards the end of September, maybe using the, that next Fed meeting as kind of a launching point. Um, so I'm still looking at some of the uh, exploration plays. Now, once I'm uh, convinced that the rally in gold is for real and the metals are going to, to enjoy uh, a significant uptrend, then I'll move more into the optionality plays, the companies that have already discovered some kind of a gold or silver resource, a sizable resource. They may have some economic projections and studies already done on them that may actually be building a mine. But these companies tend to be the ones that are revalued first as metals prices rise. Um, and we've gone through a long period, about a year now, of of weak metals prices, really a bear market correction after that big post-pandemic rise. So over that course of time, we've seen the, the prices of a lot of these really good companies come down. And, uh, and they're much better companies today because they were able to raise a lot of money, get a lot of work done. Uh, we know a lot more about them now. Um, but yet they're trading at fractions of where they were last summer. So there are a lot of bargains out there right now uh, I'm just not quite ready to uh, jump in or recommend the, the optionality plays as much as some of the expiration plays that we like. All right, great. And then when you're looking at a company, what are some of the key factors that you look at most when evaluating it? You know, is it management? Is it the geology reports? What are the things that matter most to you? Well, management is always critical. Uh, this is a game where there's a lot of talented people running these companies. They have to have geological talent, uh, obviously, but they also have to be able to run big pro exploration programs. They have to have some idea of how to uh, engineer a mine. They have to have human resources experience, uh, management experience, financial experience, and promotional experience to get their story out. So 
there are some talented people out there and there are some people who have done it time and time again. Uh, and those are the ones you, you can't, uh, you can really mitigate your risk by sticking with proven management teams that have their reputations on the line to make a company a success. Other than that, it takes a while, but you need to get a feel for what they're looking for and their likelihood of finding it. Uh, what are the early indications from sampling or even early drill results that they're onto something? Or uh, sometimes it's just an idea, uh, but you need to be able to judge how valid that idea or, or theory or concept may be. Um, and then you have to look at share structure, uh, how much stock is out. The more stock is out for a company, the harder it is to, for the price to rise because you know, it, it has to be diluted by that many more shares. And you have to look at who owns the stock. Um, was there a financing where the, the stock that was issued in that financing was restricted and now it's coming free at some point in the future? When you have a lot of stock that's uh, all of a sudden coming onto the market, you can get some price weakness. Uh, so you don't want to buy or, or you don't want to invest in that company in advance of such an event, but you may be able to look at such an event as being a good entry point. So there's a lot to it. There really is. And that's where I, um, I get back to the, the theme that you, you really need to educate yourself, especially if you're in more of the development and exploration end of the sector. Let's talk about um, education in just a second. Um, right before we do, though, um, are there any particular companies right now that you are um, particularly excited about? Yeah, there are a few. Uh, one that I like right now, and I do own it, um, is Erdine Resource Development. That's ERD on the Toronto Stock Exchange, and it's ERDCF on the over-the-counter exchange in the U.S. It's actually developing a mine, and it's on track to finance a mine that should go into production sometime next year. Um, and so that, uh, that takes a lot of the risk out. Just as a development play, it's undervalued in relation to the mind it's going to build. Um, but it also has a, a very large land position that uh, it's turning up some high grade results on throughout that land position. So it's still building resources and finding resources. It's very undervalued right now because the company is located in, of all places, Mongolia. But that is an area of the world where there are tremendous gold resources, tremendous uh, metal resources in general. And they are really the, the leading company, in my view, in the entire country. As they progress along the, uh, the, the curve, growth curve, and develop that mine, I think that country risk discount will largely evaporate. And in the meantime, they're going to be spinning out some high-grade drill results. So I like that company. Another one that's uh, really just an exploration company is BlackRock Silver. I, I own this one personally as well. The symbol on that is BRC on the Toronto Venture Exchange or BKRRF on the over-the-counter exchange. Has a great project in the historic Tonopah Mining District in Nevada. This is the, uh, the silver boom area uh, discoveries back in the 1800s that gave Nevada the name the Silver State. They were able to consolidate 
half, an entire half of this historic district that had gotten had devolved into a lot of uh, very small claim holdings, and they were able to consolidate the whole thing and are going back in and, and getting some outstanding drill results, expanding resources that were never able to be located around the turn of the last century. Um, and they're, they're very aggressively drilling right now. So you're getting a constant stream of drill results and they have their first resource estimate that should be out early next year. So some real catalysts coming up. Uh, that company is trading at a fraction of where it was again about a year ago. And now we know that they have much more um, that they've done since then, much more silver discovered. So it's a much better company right now, but still selling at a small fraction of where it was about a year ago. And, and again, I, I think the metals prices are going to come back and we're going to get that a return of the kind of investor enthusiasm that had that company trading in multiples of where it is today. All right. Well, that's just excellent, Brian. Thank you so much for sharing those uh, those two particular picks with us. Um, you, you mentioned one thing I just want to ask you. Um, you. You talked about the Toronto exchanges or the Canadian exchanges that yeah. these companies trade on, as well as the U.S. over-the-counter exchanges. As an investor, if you're a U.S. investor, it's most of the people viewing this are U.S. investors. Um, does it really matter which exchange you buy the stock on? It uh, doesn't matter too much if you have the ability to uh, to buy it, have your trade settled actually on the Canadian exchanges, you'll probably get a bit better execution. Um, but in general, the it, it's important for investors to know that the Canadian markets, Toronto and Vancouver, are really the epicenter, uh, represent the epicenter of, of mining finance in the world. <clears throat> and in fact, they used to have, uh, the, the old Vancouver Exchange in particular, used to have a really bad reputation as a den of thieves decades ago. Uh, but today, that uh, the Canadian markets are well-regulated and, uh, and well-regulated re for mining exploration development uh, and, and mining in general. Because precisely because those markets have seen every kind of scheme and scam perpetrated over the years, so they know how to regulate against it. I would go so far as to say that if a company, a smaller junior company, is not listed in the Canadian markets and not subjecting it to the regulatory environment in the Canadian markets, it's probably doing so to avoid that, that kind of regulatory environment. And, and probably isn't your best choice to invest in. So it's good to have a company that's listed both in the US, even if it's just on the over-the-counter exchange, uh, but is definitely listed on either the uh, Toronto Venture Exchange or the Big Board Toronto Exchange. All right, great. Well, thanks for that clarification. So, all right, well, let's end now on further education. So for the folks who are watching who are saying, you know what, I really might want to start following this industry learning more about uh, the different sectors, but also trying to target individual companies to potentially invest in. Um, I, that's your bread and butter, uh, Brian. Uh, we've talked about Gold Newsletter a couple of times here. Um, is it just as simple as going to goldnewsletter.com and seeing what's offered there and, and potentially subscribing? Uh, well, let me, let me let you ask that first, and then I want to obviously talk about your conference that's coming up. Well, I would love uh, for everyone to go to goldnewsletter.com and send me money for one year of Gold Newsletter. It is the best value out there. 
in this industry, uh, uh, in my belief, obviously biased, but you don't have to do that. You can go to our website and get our investor's guide to gold and silver. It is an in-depth objective uh, analysis of the sector, uh, uh, really a primer on how to invest in the sector and everything from physical metals through even futures and options and mining stocks. It lists the best newsletters out there, all of my competitors that I believe are among the best out there. Um, it lists all the conferences to go to, even my competitors that I think are the best to go to, the ones that I speak at. Uh, and really tells you everything you need to know to get a start in the sector, even how to analyze these companies. So that's free at goldnewsletter.com. And I'd urge anyone to, to take that initial step to start learning about the sector. All right. Uh, and as a subscriber, I will just give my personal endorsement. Uh, it's a wonderful newsletter, uh, folks. Brian, as you've already gotten a sense from, from this nearly hour-long interview, uh, is a true expert in the field, um, but his real calling and his real talent is, um, you know, really trying to make all of this understandable to the average investor and to give them uh, digestible, actionable insight. Um, and speaking of which, uh, let's now switch to talking about the next uh, upcoming uh, New Orleans Investment Conference. Um, this is the oldest, and I think many who have been would say the best uh, investment conference in America. Uh, it's coming up, I believe, uh, October 19th through the 22nd uh, in New Orleans, if I've got my dates right. Um, what, you know, for folks who are watching who are potentially interested in attending, um, what can you tell? You know, what are the big takeaways, the big highlights here? What's the theme? Who's speaking? What's yeah. going to be uh, it don't miss events of the year? Of the yeah, event? it is. I think the, the can't miss the event, can't afford to miss event of the year. Uh, it is the oldest investment conference in the world. Um, it has a great, it has a reputation, a legend really, of bringing big name speakers over the years uh, uh, to grace our stage. And this year I've gone out there and, and really just gone down my wish list, personal wish list of the best thinkers in the market today, uh, the most insightful analysts in the market today. And with only one or two exceptions, I was able to get all of them to come to New Orleans this year. I think it's important because it's planned or we're, we're headed toward an in-person event and uh, it will be the, the first big uh, kind of gathering, in-person gathering, kind of a reunion of, of uh, smart, savvy, sophisticated investors getting together and, and getting some of the best experts around. So that wish list that I got of, of experts, of course, is headed by Adam Taggart, who will be there. Um, You're too kind. I think I've ensured a, a future appearance on your show, haven't I? <laughs> Absolutely. But in addition to the great Adam Taggart, I'll have Ron Paul, I'll have Peter Schiff, I'll have James Grant, Jim Rickards, Danielle DiMartino Booth, uh, Jim Iurio, Doug Casey, Rick Rule, Dave Collum, Dominic Frisbee, Tavi Costa, George Gammon, uh, Grant Williams, uh, Brent Johnson, Peter Bookvar, the real estate guys, uh, and the list goes on and on for little, literally dozens more. Um, it is the, the place to be. There's an intellectual energy that you can feel in the halls. So we're very excited about getting back in person. And, and the great thing about these events is you get to not only hear from these speakers, you get to meet them and, and uh, 
and bend their elbows in the hallways and ask them your questions. And you get to talk to other attendees who, you know, by their very attendance at this event, have demonstrated that they're they're really smart investors and not only successful, but they're information hungry and they know where to go to get the best in, insights and analysis. And you know it, that people come every year and have come every year to New Orleans for decades for these uh, for that that opportunity to talk to these kinds of experts. Well, that really is sort of a murderer's row lineup there of, of expert speakers, Brian. Um, it's going to be a great year. As you mentioned, I, I will be there. I've been there many years in the past. It is a great event for all the reasons that Brian mentioned. Um, you know, re really, I think for three big reasons, um, maybe four, you, you get lots of great insights from the, the experts themselves, but you do get the ability to personally interact with them. It's one of those events where you can sit down and have a coffee with a Jim Grant or whatnot. Um, uh, obviously, very other, you know, like-minded investors there. So you get the uh, camaraderie of being in a room with people that, that actually want to talk about some of these, you know, topics that are relatively niche and maybe, you know, at your, your average social gathering, you don't want to have a hard time finding people that really want to dig into this stuff. Um, and then lastly, you've got a lot of, uh, you know, mining companies there where you can actually go and talk to the executive management um, and really to go from company to company to company. So if you're interested um, in some of these companies, you know, you don't just get the brochures, you actually get to sit down and chat with the management directly. So uh, it is a great event. So Brian, for folks that are interested in learning more about the event and perhaps want to register, where should they go? NewOrleansConference.com. Uh, simply put NewOrleansConference.com. And I believe you have a link that actually um, for your readers and uh, viewers that, that, uh, We'll give them, send them to a special landing page, but you should have a link as well. And, um, but otherwise, neworleansconference.com is the way to go. It's a place to go to get all the information. Great. Yep. So, Brian, we will put the URL up both for Gold Newsletter and for neworleansconference.com on the screen when we edit this. And I'll, I'll put the link to you we're talking about as well down in the description of this video. So, folks can click them there. Brian, look, we're coming up in an hour here. Uh, thank you for giving us so much of your time here. I think you did a wonderful job of, of both demystifying this space for those that might not have fully understood it beforehand, but really got deep, uh, particularly really appreciate your uh, your insights there and what to look for in a company where you think uh, gold and silver are headed and obviously in some of the specific uh, companies you mentioned. And I will tell you folks as well, you know, if you, if you want to get a long list, you know, not just two or three names, but literally dozens, uh, then check out Gold Newsletter. Uh, Brian does a phenomenal job of going through literally dozens of companies every time that comes out. So Brian, can't thank you enough. Thank you for so much. Thank you so much for coming on the program. I look forward to seeing you in person out in New Orleans in, in late October, but uh, I also hope we can have you back on this program at some point soon. Great. Thanks, Adam. Looking forward to catching up with you in a couple of months. We hope you've enjoyed this excellent discussion with precious metals analyst Brian London. If this discussion has inspired you to explore investing in mining stocks, then I've got great news. In addition to the two companies that Brian mentioned in this video, we have 19 more picks for you. At Wealthion's recent conference, Jeff Clark, senior precious metals analyst at goldsilver.com, gave an excellent presentation sharing his top gold, silver, and uranium mining stock picks, which we've recently made available to the general public for free. And at today's prices, Jeff thinks these companies are at even better values. 
If you haven't watched this free presentation yet, you can do so now simply by going to Wealthion.com miners. Ooh, but before you go, please don't forget to like this video and then click the subscribe button below if you haven't already, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. These only take a second and really do help us attract more big name experts onto this program in the future. Okay, now go get Jeff Clark's top 19 mining stock picks by going to wealthion.com/miners. And thanks for watching.